0: When the moon is high,
1: the shadows dance, evil will rise, the world between the living and the dead is the so now with the time to let the horror you know again. Alright, and welcome back to another weekly episode of the podcast, The Horror You Know. I'm Darren. Oh, man. I'm also Ian. All right. This week, we're going to be drinking a little bit and enjoying some charcuterie again. Whoop, whoop. (laughs) That's right. It's basically some cheese and crackers I got at the uh, store really quick before we got here.
0: But they're delicious, Delicious. nonetheless.
1: I I am a lazy bastard, but whatever. Delicious Triscuits. (laughs) Triscuits. Triscuits He even knows the brand. (laughs) Oh, yeah. <laughs> delicious triscuits
0: uh yeah i mean it's 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 no pizza breadsticks and sandwiches. oh like, yes oh. he
1: had some great pizza last time i i just kind of dropped the ball that's all right though we also have some cold beer on ice and we're making some what, what are you drinking over there ian whiskey sour it is a classic whiskey okay. sour i
0: thought that's what it was called
1: yeah so we're drinking those. Uh, I haven't had one in a long time. I used to drink those every now and then at, at bars when I was younger. Uh, never made one, so it's not too bad.
0: No, yeah, I it's, it's sweet had one in my lifetime. and it's sour. It's sour. living up to the name. <laughs> living. Should, up. I I told you to make one earlier, but you apparently when teaspoons are involved. <laughs> <laughs> hey, He's, he's kinda, I was like, you want to make one? He goes, uh, maybe I'll just grab a beer. Measurements. 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 Ah, I don't do measurements. Yeah, I don't do measurements at all.
1: Maybe, maybe when we take a break later, we'll yeah. get you one. Right. You done with that? Yeah. Folks, all right.
0: later on, I'll let you know how I like it. All right.
1: So, uh, we're still right in the middle of uh, all the holidays for 2021. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly where we are in the timeline, but uh, we're going to do a a couple of movies on this one um, so it's going to be interesting we're doing uh, Ed Gein you guys know the story of Ed Gein a little bit?
0: I've heard of you've never even heard of Ed Gein I haven't really <laughs> <laughs> I thought everybody at least heard of Ed Gein
1: alright Ed Gein so that's what we're. that's uh, the so topic gonna, right now
0: okay well you're going to learn, learn.
1: <laughs> and, and the movies we're going to we're going to see that it inspired are uh, two different classic films and we'll discuss those later in the hour so let's go ahead and get going you ready let's do it all right so ed geene his real name is edward theodore geene and he was born august 27th 1906 and from all accounts uh he was born in one of the more frigid areas of the united states in wisconsin
0: frigid
1: lacrosse county wisconsin so Average temperature, I think, in the winter there is negative six. So you're talking. I you mean, it's freezing in the Midwest during wintertime. That's crazy, isn't <laughs> it? of. <laughs> it's
0: almost like we're going to have a freeze alert tonight. Oh, man. Yeah, he he wasn't happy with me when I stepped out of the car. And he's like, is that all you're wearing? There's a freeze warning. I'm like, sorry, Max. <laughs> damn mom. Gotta... <laughs> yeah, you know, I got like Ian's that. mom. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're your ca- own grandpa. You're going to catch a cold.
1: Yeah. Okay, so he was, he was born the second of two boys, uh, George Philip Gein and Augusta Gein were his parents, and he had a brother named Henry. Henry was born in 1901, so he was five years older than Ed, little Eddie, we'll call him. Uh, Augusta hated her husband. Let's just throw that out there. Okay. He was an alcoholic, abusive, uh, unable to keep a job. He worked uh, various times as a carpenter, a tanner. Do you know what a tanner is? Tanning leather is what they're talking. Oh, okay. oh, God. So he tanned leather, like a and he was also an insurance salesman. Uh, he later owned a local grocery shop for a few years, but had to sell the business because he was bad with money. All right. Uh, family left the city to live in isolation on a 155-acre, we're talking acre farm in the town of Plainfield, Wisconsin. He wasn't tanning the money too, was he? Was it just the leather? He was just the leather. <laughs> okay. So, and apparently he wasn't tanning that hide because she hated, he hated him. him. <laughs> and Bad with money, I, couldn't, I, couldn't tan an ass the same I his said money. the wrong thing. Augusta wasn't abused by him, Augusta kicked his ass yeah. for the most part.
0: Well, he's bad with money. Thing.
1: So apparently, yeah, apparently <laughs> she was kind of verbally and physically abusive to him. Yeah. Um, anyway, she took, uh, full advantage of the farm's isolation by turning away from all outsiders that could influence her sons. She tried to homeschool them. Basically, uh, they would go to school, but when they would come home, you know, she, uh, kind of kept them on their own. Um, so at some point in time, they did go to regular school. Um, as you could tell, they were outsiders. They were a little bit weird and kids didn't kind of enjoy the company I would say all right especially little Eddie who was born with something wrong with him it, it was a congenital growth on his left eyelid causing it to droop extremely because how it was how it was yeah so it was like he I, I'm assuming a lazy eye a little bit like his his eyelid was thick so if you look at the pictures, you can kind of see it. It's kind of droopy. he got the, so, the droops going. He's got the good case He'll of the droops. So you ever had back. that in?
0: <laughs> no. <gross>? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: we'll not discuss yeah. that, right? I'll get past the genitals part of <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs> I said congenital, not genitals. Oh,
0: yeah, I was like, what the fuck are you
1: talking about? Congenital. Oh weird wow. So
0: anyway, one of his testicles drooped further than the other. You were saying.
1: That's <laughs> So they don't touch each other. Wow. Okay, so Augusta, the puritanical mother, she ruled over Ed and Henry and what was her husband's name, George. She ruled over them kind of with an iron fist. All right, so um had this huge, huge farm, and to to make matters worse, the husband was a shitty farmer. So <laughs> did he do anything good? I I'm assuming the only thing he could do is not shoot blanks because they had two kids. Because everything else, like, he, he was bad, bad at money.
0: He's a bad farmer, a yeah, bad tanner. He couldn't tan that ass. Like, <laughs> like
1: what's happening with him? Well, we don't know for a fact he was a bad tanner, dude. Uh, no, it doesn't say that. Can assume. (laughs) Might have been the one thing he was really good at. It doesn't say that. Maybe I will be
0: a bad farmer, but I could tan the shit out of that hide. (laughs) All
1: right, so uh, Augusta it says wouldn't really like feel sorry for the kids when they, especially little Ed, he would come home and he was relentlessly mocked by other children at the school. Okay, for his physical and verbal affliction. So he did have a stutter. And oh, poor kid. his somewhat effeminate manner only made things worse is what it said like so I'm assuming he's not he's not like effeminate in that way you'd think it's more like he's just not into sports he's very mousy you know just quiet shy kid that's very you know like he, he obviously he gets picked on you know Recusive probably verbally. Doesn't say much probably. you're talking 30s 40s 20s 30s 40s. So in a rough area in the Midwest, I'm sure yeah. they were probably picking on pretty hard, right? Outside of this, um, they were very, very religious. Okay. And Augusta, she was a, she was a Lutheran, but she'd preached to her boys about the immorality of the world, as she would call it. The evil of drinking, her belief that all women apart from herself were naturally promiscuous and instruments of the devil. So I'm, I'm thinking like Bobby Boucher, Waterboy. He's like, She's a devil, you know. <laughs> that's, that's all I'm thinking in my head. This woman's pretty overbearing. Uh, it doesn't really show what she looks like in pictures that I've seen, but she sounds like a pretty hefty woman. She was ah, larger yes. than George. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she probably... I don't know why, but I imagine her with a giant rolling
0: pin in her hand. She's like uh, Dolores Claiborne.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Kathy Bates. Right. Um, So, you know, she she kind of brought them up uh, under her wings. She was definitely a helicopter mother, more so with religion and where they could go and what they could do and and kind of constantly pounded in her head in their heads that, you know, women were going to ruin their lives. So we got to keep that in mind for the whole story. All right. So she reserved time every afternoon to read to them from the Bible, usually selecting verses from the Old Testament, which is a weird, you know, I mean, if you've ever read the Bible, you know, the Old Testament is old law and it's pretty brutal, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. It's eye for an eye.
0: When I was forced to in Sunday school. But. Forced to. Uh, the Old Testament <laughs> and they forced you to read it. I feel like those two things go hand in hand.
1: Were you Lutheran? Were you Catholic? Baptist, no, no. Uh, Methodist, <laughs> yeah, that's Methodist way Episcopal, it I'm just throwing them on there. Methodist. Jewish,
0: <laughs> I don't want to
1: get into it. He's like <laughs> <laughs> Sammy Davis Jr. over here. He was Jewish. Did you know that? No,
0: I don't think
1: I did. <laughs> yes, Sammy, Sammy Davis, Davis Jr. was Jewish. Well, hmm, true story. Sure I, I
0: think I have heard that
1: before. <laughs> I don't know why that's funny to me. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of funny. He's giggling
0: about it. <laughs> Jewish. Mom.
1: All right, so her other uh, main book that she would read out of in the New Testament was the Book of Revelation concerning death, murder, and divine retrib- retribution. Of course. So, you know, she was definitely a spare the rod, spoil the child kind of woman, hellfire and brimstone as her preaching method.
0: So gotcha.
1: I'm I'm seeing a lot of... A lot of you know sermons that were definitely on the negative side. To I the, can't believe these her son kids. turns
0: out so fucked up. Like, I know, this right? So, so strange. Dude,
1: okay, so immediate family: uh, George died of a heart failure caused by his alcoholism in April first, nineteen forty, at the age of sixty-six. Henry and Ed began doing odd jobs around town to cover their living expenses. So Augusta probably got way worse as soon as this guy died because. If you think about it, in that kind of atmosphere, the the mom would probably dole out stuff equally on all of them. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe a little more on Ed because he had problems. Right. So, you know, he was kind of her little mistake and she would be more mean to him. Nice. But you had the husband that it's kind of his fault, couldn't hold a job, he was an alcoholic, blah, blah, blah. So now that he passes away, now she's equally doling it out to the two, right? Um so they got these odd jobs and the bro- brothers were generally considered reliable and honest by residents of the community while both worked as handymen. Ed also frequently babysat for neighbors <laughs> Well that's <It's> comforting. <laughs> yeah. So I have 3 daughters mm-hmm. as you know and the audience now knows uh stay away from me weirdos. <laughs> But I have three daughters, and I cannot imagine just going to a 155-acre farm and saying, can your young son that's kind of weird, that has a droopy eye and... Sir droops a lot over there. Yeah, just has all these problems with people picking on him and... This and that. Can he watch our kids? So he
0: doesn't have any friends or social life, right? Would he want to babysit? Yeah,
1: that's, that's probably what it was. Yeah,
0: it was like he, I know he doesn't have anything going on on the weekends. It doesn't seem like the best life choice. No. No.
1: I would say not. So, you know, it's it's one of those things that where <laughs> he enjoyed babysitting because he had a mind of a child somewhat. Right, so you can see that, and seemingly he could relate to these children better than adults. He found
0: more of a reason I wouldn't just leave him alone with my child.
1: Yeah, uh, his brother Henry began dating a divorced mother of two and planned to move in with her. And he worried about his brother's attachment to their mother and often spoke ill of her around Ed, who responded with shock and hurt. So he was going to leave. So here's here's the problem: you've got the dad that just passed away. Mm-hmm. Young Ed, who is henpecked by his mom and probably a little bit by his brother, right? right. Uh, he's lowest on the totem pole, I would say. And you, now you've got his brother Henry, who's dating a an older woman, and is about to move out. And he's trying to encourage young Ed to not get so attached or be so attached to mommy, right? Mommy dearest over here. Mother. <laughs> and I don't know how this is going to work because he said it, it says he's... Responded with shock and hurt. So obviously, he's kind of like, there's a betrayal between them now. Because the, the brother's kind of looking down on the mom to get the brother out. But he's looking at it like, you're just shitting on mom now. And that's kind of making me mad, right? Yeah. So remember that later. On May 16th, 1944, the two brothers were burning away marsh vegeta- vegetation on their property. So they're talking... They're, you know, just clearing and burning parts of their property to clear it out. And fire got out of control, drawing the attention of the local fire department. By the end of the day, the fire having been extinguished and the firefighters gone, Ed reported his brother missing. So he was like, I don't know where my brother went. Reports him missing. And with lanterns and flashlights, the search party searched for Henry, whose dead body was found Lying face down, apparently he'd been dead for some time, and it appeared that the cause of death was heart failure since he had not been burned or injured otherwise. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. It was later reported by biographer Harold Schlechter that Henry had bruises on his head. So this is one of the more reported things, is that he had bruising around the top and back of his head. Okay. Which could have been a strike or a blow. Gotcha. Or multiple ones. Uh, the police dismissed the possibility of foul play and the county coroner later, later officially listed asphyxiation as the cause of death. The authorities accepted the accident theory, but no official investigation was conducted and an autopsy was never performed on the body. Mm-hmm. Uh, questioning Ed Gein about the death of Bernice Warden in 1957, the state investigator Joe Wilmofsky brought up questions about Henry's death. George Arndt, who studied the case, wrote that in retrospect, it was possible and more than likely that Henry's death was a Cain and Abel aspect of this case. So more than likely, while the fire was burning out of control, he came up and clocked his brother in the head and killed him and was going to let Somewhere. his body burn in the fire, but it didn't burn. They gotcha. got they got there and put it out somehow. All right, so now Gein and his mother were now alone. So it was just the two of them. Just the two of us. They were not building castles <laughs> in this county. Uh, we don't know that. <laughs> Augusta had a paralyzing stroke shortly after Henry's death. So this is just snowballing out of control for poor little Eddie. Aww. Right? Uh, so Gein devoted himself to taking care of her. Sometime in 1945, Gein later recounted he and his mother visited a man named Smith who lived nearby to purchase straw. According to Gein, Augusta witnessed Smith beating a dog. A woman inside the Smith home came outside and yelled for him to stop, but Smith beat the dog to death. Good God, Smith. Yep. Did you say yep? <laughs> yeah,
0: as in Psycho Johnny over there. <laughs> uh, I thought you you were thought saying, he was going, yeah. I I was was saying, it down oh yeah. <laughs> Well, not, only, not that. I thought you were just going, yep. Sounds like something a Smith would do. Uh, <laughs> like where are you going with that i thought he was doing a little hoorah the dog's yeah. dead i was like yeah what? there you go <laughs> no
1: way so uh so smith is his first name last name it just says name? it just says smith i like i mean i i have like a more detailed account but i'm just reading like a, a no, smaller you're, you're account of it. I, was just, so. I was just curious because i was just like smith what a weird first name so augusta was extremely upset by this scene however what bothered her did not appear to be the brutality towards the dog rather the presence of the woman coming out hmm augusta told ed that the woman was not married to smith oh, they were having an affair this is so not, she had this is no business being there it was smith's harlot she angrily called her Harlot. damn harlots damn jezebel <laughs> And she had a second stroke soon after. <laughs> Keeps on snowballing. Good so hard. so Augusta, witnessing this in front of little Ed, he wasn't little now, he was a, he was a young man, or he's a man, but okay. witnessing this in front of Ed, instead of saying, wow, look at the brutal violence there, she displaced that with, look at that harlot, all women are bad again message. Oh, right? yes. So it's like mixed messages in his mind. Violence is not bad. Mm-hmm. It's these harlots that are bad.
0: Scallywags.
1: Yeah. So uh, she uh, she had the second stroke, and her health deteriorated rapidly. She died on December 29th 1945. So we're talking World War Two era. At the age of 67, Ed was devastated. Dude lost his shit. I mean, imagine... Imagine being that far up your mom's butt. You're gonna lose your shit, wow. right? Yeah. <laughs> Literally and figuratively, I'm sure. <laughs> like he's,
0: <laughs> I was gonna he's say. not gonna know what to do in life after that.
1: Point. Oh my gosh, I, I just can't imagine. I mean, I'm, I'm real close to my mom, but I mean, I'm older, she's older, so this is this is probably pretty tragic. So Especially the,
0: being like a young man. What he's probably in his early 20s at this point.
1: I, I would say 20s, 20s okay. to 30s. So we're talking, well, 45. When was he born? 1906? So 30s. Okay. So he's in his 30s. Yeah, 1906 to 1945. Alright. So. Uh, but you gotta remember, we still haven't mentioned a girlfriend or anything. It's true. So you're talking never been there. Hey, hey. He's never been there.
0: It, we, don't, we don't know what Ed and Mother was doing. Oh, yeah. stop.
1: So it's the only woman he words, ever knew. Yeah. In the words of biographer. Author Harold Schechter, again, he had, quote, lost his only friend and one true love. He was absolutely alone in this world now. Wow. So uh, he held onto the farm and earned money from odd jobs. He boarded up rooms used by his mother, including the upstairs, downstairs parlor, living room, leaving them completely untouched from the time she died. So, he's created these little little mausoleums to her memory, you know. He's not going to go in and, and change anything. I mean, he's lost everything. He doesn't want to... And it, I don't know what you... What would you guys do if you lost somebody that close to you? Would you go in and change things or would you... Man, it's really hard to say until you're in that situation. Yeah. I mean, I think after a while you'd want to change You'd want to start anew. And maybe keep a few things. A few things, yeah. We're talking about a whole room. of whole room. room right? Not changing it. Like locking them up. Like locking them off. Gotcha. Completely.
0: I don't know. Like, this is a unique situation. Because like I said, it's his mother slash love of his life. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, like, they're oddly close and like i'm just i'm just being real you keep looking at me but i'm telling you something there's there's I something mean, wrong there i know you're right so you're right. that's just... that's the thing like if if he's that attached then obviously he's not going to want to change anything and that's going to make it 10 times worse once he loses her so now he's lost her now he's going to lose it like he, i i don't feel like it was ever he, he never had a chance to be in touch with reality right from the time he True. was a small child, he never like this boy never stood a chance. So now Dad does the one thing that was probably holding on to that last slither of sanity he had. That one thing keeping the droop up on his eye. <laughs> and uh, the droop and support. Now, and now Daddy's gone, the droop is on full effect, and <laughs> so is his life. His life is drooped. <laughs> And now now he's hanging out with with Mother Dearest and she's not the best role model. And like you said, the focus should have been on why is this man beating a helpless animal? But it was like, that's not his wife.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Harlot. Harlot. Charlotte. Yeah.
0: So if that's what your focus is on, obviously, like, he's he's obviously going to be fucked up in the head. Like I said, he never stood a chance. Yeah. So, uh. So for him to not change anything in this room, it's really not
1: surprising me at all. Okay. So this guy obviously was pampered by his mom as far as chores, right? So as he locked off these rooms and they remained perfect, maybe a little dust, all the other rooms became squalid. It was like he was a he was a hoarder at this point. Had a hundred and some acres and everything just started slowly. I mean, imagine the scene. Two or three, like three creepy rooms, creepy ass rooms with all her shit in them. And then all the other rooms are slowly going more more deep into, you know, disrepair. And mm. he's not doing dishes and just leaving shit around. Gotcha. And, I mean, see what I'm saying? Yeah. So with it's it's slowly, thing. slowly becoming really, really creepy. Now, he lived thereafter in a very small room next to the kitchen. Around this time, uh, he started reintroducing himself to some of his younger things that he would try to sneak with his brother, which were pulp magazines. Now, if you know anything about the 20s, 30s, and 40s in America or in England, pulp fiction, huh? Plug there. For that yeah, yeah. Pulp fiction magazines were all about, like, you know, Nazis and zombies and. Dames in distress and murder and mayhem and just craziness, you know, especially for the time, you know, it's probably a little tame now, but like these were basically like penny dreadfuls from England in the 1800s. They were about murder and mayhem and stuff like that. He's a little Lutheran boy here in the Midwest, right? She's reading to him multiple times out of the Bible. So he's hiding all this stuff. Right. So now who's there to stop him? So he goes right into it. He starts reading about adventure stories and pulp magazines, particularly those involving cannibals and Nazi atrocities, which we're now hearing about in the news in in this time period, right? right yeah. So he's reading all about this stuff, and people were really salacious back then, because there was no, you know, suing factor back then. You could say anything you want, pretty much, and so like he started just going off into his own mind more and more. Now, he still functioned as a person in that town. He would still go to town. He was still a handyman. He received a farm subsidy from the government starting in 1951. So you're talking, what did I say? She died in 1945, so six years later. He's been on his own, right? He's getting subsidies from the government for his acreage. And... Uh, He occasionally worked for local municipal road crews and crop threshing crews in the area. So people knew him. So he was kind of normal to them. And he was actually getting out probably a little more than he did when his mom was alive. So he's getting a little more sociable. But people still thought he was weird as hell. Mm, right? right. Uh, So sometime between 1946 and 56, he sold an 80-acre parcel of his land that his brother Henry had owned. So, on the morning of November 16, 1957, Plainfield hardware store owner Bernice Warden disappeared. So, here's where it all starts, right? A Plainfield resident reported that the hardware store's truck had been driven out from the rear of the building around 9.30 a.m. The hardware store saw few customers the entire day. Some area residents believed this was because of deer hunting season. Bernice Warden's son, Deputy Sheriff Frank Warden, so <laughs> bad timing there, Ed, uh, <laughs> entered the store around 5 p.m. to find the store's cash register open and blood stains on the floor. Frank Warden told investigators that on the evening before his mother's disappearance, Gein had been in the store and that he was to have returned the next morning for a gallon of antifreeze. A sales slip for a gallon of antifreeze was the last receipt written. By Warden on the morning she disappeared. On the evening of the same day, Geen was arrested at West Plainfield grocery store and the was- Wasura? Washura? Something like that. County. <laughs> they're yeah. they're West It's like they're like Canadians. We don't know. Right? <laughs> Wasura. Washura? I'm Washera. sure there's our one listener in Wisconsin who's like, it's Washura! <laughs> Washura! You cultured swines? <laughs> you, better, you better drop the email so he knows how to get a hold of her. Right. Uh, they searched Gein's farm. and The county sheriff's deputy discovered Warden's decapitated body. Oh, God. In a shed on Gein's property, hung upside down by her legs with a crossbar at her ankles and ropes at her wrist. The torso was dressed like a deer so he is a hunter and if you know anything about deer dressing that's one of the old school ways they would hang them upside down put the steak through its legs hang them and then they would gut them and yeah. do all the stuff they do right uh, she had been shot with a twenty two caliber rifle and the mutilations made after her death were made after her death searching the house they found you ready for this? Well, I don't
0: think so <laughs> no we're ready
1: Line item list. Here we go. Whole human bones and some bone fragments. A waste basket made of human skin. Human skin covering several chair seats. So he'd tan them and put them on chairs.
0: Oh, a little little
1: tricky to learn from Papa. <laughs> Papa. <laughs> skulls on his posts of his bed beside the kitchen. Of course. Female skulls, some with tops sawn off bowls made of human skulls a corset made from a female torso skin from shoulders to waist so shoulders to waist Uh, leggings made from human leg skin a mass made from the skin of a female or female heads mary hogan's face mask in a paper bag mary hogan's skull in a box Bernice Warden's entire head in a burlap sack, Bernice Warden's heart in a plastic bag in front of Gene's potbelly stove. Whew. Let me take a breath on this one. Nine vulva in a shoebox. Oh, yeah. What do you think of that, Ian? Why? <laughs> I don't know. Why really the number know. nine? Is there a significance? I wonder. Why would he put nine?
0: I think that's all he had. I just think that's. All I've all
1: heard good. a dick in a box. <laughs> everybody knows everybody nine, knows that nine is
0: just fine ten is too much <laughs> ten is just pushing it it's like I'm not a psycho yeah What oh, ten it's on. a small
1: shoe box too I yeah mean, okay Whew. That, was, that one's crazy maybe it was only a size nine shoe box a young girl's dress and the vulvas of two females judged to have been about 15 years old a belt made from female human nipples four noses, a pair of lips on a window shade drawstring, a lampshade made from the skin of a human face, and fingernails from females. These artifacts were photographed at the State Crime Laboratory and then decently disposed of. I don't know what that means. It's just probably just threw them in the incinerator. Decently. Decently disposed of. When questioned, Gein told investigators that between 47 and 52 he'd made as many as 40 nocturnal nighttime, that's what nocturnal means. I don't know why it says nocturnal nighttime. Well, yeah, <laughs> Visits to, I didn't write this, folks. <laughs> nocturnal nighttime visits to three local graveyards to exhume recently buried bodies. So he wasn't killing all these people. He was going out to cemeteries and digging them up. Yeah. I don't know if that's better. I don't, I don't know. know While he was in a daze-like state, he said, on about 30 of those visits, he said he came out of the daze while in the cemetery, left the grave in good order, and returned home empty-handed. On other occasions, he dug up the graves of recently buried middle-aged women he thought resembled his mother. Of course. And took their bodies home, where he tanned their skins to make his paraphernalia of his mother. Hmm. Jeez, mother. <laughs> it's hard to joke about this shit. But yeah, it is. It's hard. What's
0: that say about us?
1: I stopped. I stopped at the vulvas in a box. <laughs> I tried to joke, but it's it's hard. Yeah, yeah, that was over here. That was over here.
0: You don't even want
1: to know. It was. Yeah. So he admitted distilling from nine graves from local cemeteries and led investigators to the locations. Alan will. Will Mofsky of the state crime lab participated in opening three test graves identified by Geen. The caskets were inside wooden boxes. The top boards ran crossways, not lengthwise. The tops of the boxes were about two feet below the surface in sandy soil. Geen had robbed the graves soon after the funerals, while the graves were not completed. The test graves were exhumed because authorities were uncertain as to whether the slight Geen was capable of single-handedly digging up a grave. During a single evening. They were found as Gean described. Two of the exhumed graves were found empty, one had a crowbar in place of the body. One casket was empty, one casket Gean had failed to open when he lost his pry bar, and most of the body was gone from the third grave. Yet Gean had returned rings and some body parts. Thus Gean's confession was largely corroborated after they found these items. I don't know what to say about like he, he got in there and lost a crossbar. Like you just can't find it. <laughs> all these damn bodies everywhere. I just can't find my crossbar. Oh man, I knew I should have put that in a box somewhere. <laughs> so soon after his mother's death, Geem began to create a woman suit, quote unquote, a woman suit. You know, mm-hmm. you're dressed like a woman, Ian. I am not. You've what never put on. you never put on some women's things. Probably not. Be with the skin of women. No. <laughs> no, I mean, I've never dressed like a woman. But if I was going to, I, I would literally
0: dress as a woman. Skin suit and everything. Yeah. You have
1: to. Like, a, skin. you know, Madonna. Yeah, skin. Madonna, yeah. early 90s tour, you know, the cones. Yeah. I would probably do that. Yeah. But, I mean. Of course. I don't know skin suit. I, I, I draw the line at skin. That's my line. <laughs> That's your line. <laughs> That's my line. Too much skin. All right, so... <laughs> We're going off the rails already. Uh, so he... <laughs> so that he could become his mother to literally crawl into her skin. Gein denied having sex with the bodies he exhumed, explaining they smelled too bad. That's where he stopped. <laughs> That's the, <only>
0: reason.
1: <laughs> the smell. <Ugh. laughs> Have they But their- It It smells little- horrible. But I got a pol- shoebox. <laughs> Get out the potpourri. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It smelled bad. The are this way. I know, right? During, of s- man <laughs> <laughs> During the state crime laboratory interrogation, he also admitted to the shooting of death of Mary Hogan, a tavern owner missing since 1954, whose head was found in his house, but he later denied... Memory of the details of her death.
0: how that head get there? I don't know how this <laughs> head got in my house? Oh, man. Sometimes I just wake up and find random things yeah, like, whoop, there's bad. a head.
1: <laughs> oh, where are my shoes? Oh, shit! Oh, my God! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, he should have checked the shoe box. <laughs> a 16 year old youth whose parents were friends of Gein and who attended ball games and movies with him reported that Gein kept shrunken heads in his house. So other people had known about this apparently. Oh, hold on, he's, this dude has friends. <laughs> he has some friends. I told you he was like a little more sociable at this point in his yeah, life. Yeah, but still, I didn't think he had like friends. I thought like he would just. be... They knew him. him. It, oh, it was like it wasn't like he walked in the bar and they were like Norm is like. Oh, gotcha.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but fucking <laughs> Eddie Geen, he's weird. You say he was 16 years old.
1: Uh, yes, a 16 year old youth, not Ed. Ed was in his late 30s, early yeah, 40s at this Ed, Ed point. Yeah, like 30s, 40s, and he's this is a 16-year-old? Yeah. So this is a 16-year-old whose parents you. were friends of Gein. You. Uh, so, he had shrunken heads in his house, which Gein had described as relics from the Philippines, sent by a cousin who had served on the islands during World War II. Upon investigation by the police, they were determined to be human facial skins carefully peeled from the corpses and used by Gein as masks. So... He basically lied to this kid, saying, "Oh no, that's that's not as weird as you think. It's from the Philippines in World War II. Those are actual fil- Filipino you heads." Understand? <laughs> Those are the heads.
0: of Philippines.
1: Yeah, he <laughs> might not have been lying about that. No, he definitely was lying about it. Like he 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 basically took these heads out of the cemeteries and then tanned them, and they overshrunk. So he can't use them I, as masks. Yeah, that happens. So then he... T- <laughs> I want to over-shrink you, my head. Do you have a head-shrinking problem? Yes. It's Let's always it, you can <laughs> shrink your big head. I'm <laughs> oh, sorry, folks. This head uh, is perfectly proportioned. It'll look like the guy from Beetlejuice. <laughs> <laughs> help! Help me! <laughs> So, Gein was also considered a suspect in several other unsolved cases in Wisconsin, including a 1953 disappearance of Evelyn Hartley, a lacrosse babysitter. During questioning, the sheriff, Art Schley, gosh, these names, man, right? reportedly assaulted Gein by banging his head and face into a brick wall during the interrogation. As a result, Gein's initial confession was ruled inadmissible in court. Schley died of heart failure at age 43 in 1968 before Gein's trial. Many of who knew Schley said he was traumatized by the horror of Gein's crimes. And this, along with the fear of having to testify, especially about assaulting Gein, caused his death. One of his his friends said he was a victim of egg Gein as surely as if Gein had butchered him. So this supposedly messed this dude up so bad he had a heart attack because he was all worried about the trial and traumatized by what he saw Lord. which I guess could be true because we're talking the 40s cops didn't usually especially in small town America see crimes like this Yeah. you know so I, I could maybe see it but at the same time you know he was tough enough to be beating his head off against okay, let me phrase that to, to smash his head, his head off, off of a wall <laughs> Just,
0: it's gonna be pretty tough yeah.
1: Smashed his head off of a wall. So, apparently, you know, I mean, he was a tough guy. He shouldn't have, like, had a heart attack over what he was seeing, you know, I would think. But, anyway. on Except for
0: that crazy, I guess. Just...
1: Yeah. But a little bit of both. So, on November 21st, 1957, Gein was arraigned on one count of first-degree murder in Washura County Court, where he pleaded not guilty by reason of insanity. Uh, Yeah. I would do mm-hmm. that, too. He was diagnosed with schizophrenia and found mentally incompetent, thus unfit for trial. So it worked. Wow. He was sent to the Central State Hospital for the Criminally Insane. Now it's called the Dodge Correctional Institution. A maximum security facility in Waupun, Wisconsin. You Wisconsin people, man, your friggin' names. <laughs> Cheeseheads. Kill me and later transferred to Mendota State Hospital in Madison, Wisconsin. In 1968, doctors determined Gein was mentally able to confer with counsel and participate in his defense. So the trial began again on November 7, 1968, which is 11 years later, and lasted just one week. A psychiatrist testified that Gein had told him that he did not know whether the killing of Bernice Warden was intentional or accidental. Gein had told him that while he examined a gun in Warden's store, the gun went off, killing Warden. Gein testified that after trying to load a bullet into the rifle, it discharged. He said he had not aimed the rifle at Warden, and did not remember anything else that happened that morning. At the request of the defense, Gein's trial was held without a jury, with Judge Robert Golmer presiding. Gein was found guilty by Gomer on November 14th. A second trial dealt with Gein's sanity. After testimony by doctors for the prosecution and defense, Gomer ruled Gein not guilty by reason of insanity and ordered him committed again to the Central State Hospital for the Criminally Insane. He spent the rest of his entire life in a mental hospital. Judge Judge Gomer wrote, due to prohibitive costs, Gein was tried for only one murder, that of Miss Worden. He admitted to killing Mary Hogan as well. So, wow! What do you think?
0: We all knew he did
1: it. <laughs> dun dun dun! <laughs> the Guilty. mystery solved. There, Ian. Guilty. God, you should start your own private detective. <laughs> well. Yeah, I thought about it.
0: No, I mean, as far as Warden goes, what do you think? I mean, he seems to be taking responsibility for the other two.
1: Yeah. I mean, he had these blackout sessions, it seemed like. Um, I've read other accounts. I mean, this is a basic account of this whole story. I've read other accounts to where he was, like, uh, dancing. Uh, he admitted to dancing in the uh, woman's suit in the middle of the moonlight, naked. So he'd put this. (laughs) Who asked him that? Well, like they were. It was during the interrogation, so apparently, like. What'd you do with that suit, huh? What'd you do, funny boy? What'd you do? (laughs) That's right. I danced with it. I danced with it. (laughs) I'd do it again, too. This is the moonlight. It was perfect. I was wearing red
0: lipstick. I like to see you try to stop me.
1: He's listening to Dancing in the Moonlight. (laughs) Dancing in the Moonlight?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I. Which obviously comes much later, but. Billy Idol dancing with myself came to mind. <laughs> dancing <laughs> with in myself, uh <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: I mean, premise of the song kind of goes hand in hand with well, Ed Gein. another thing it didn't mention that they found supposedly was a nipple belt. A belt made of, did belt. I say nipple belt? You did. They you had a. Use they the had...
0: words nipple and belt. <laughs>
1: I've seen together. like I've seen like drawings of it, but I've never seen a photograph of it, of this said nipple it's belt. It's fucked up, but you want to know, don't I you? Wanna you, gotta, you, you? I want to see it. I want to see the it. nipple You're belt. Like, I don't know why. I want to see that, but I'm not gonna look away if somebody shows me. Yeah. So so this I a, I think, think, think the warden one thing, thing just fastened into the other like. I, don't I think, think they were just sewn together side by side I mean, on an actual leather belt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh God. So it's probably just a belt sewn. I mean, it. I've never really seen it described other than nipple belt, and saw a, a drawing of it. But can only imagine. I'm assuming that's pretty skank nasty. Oh, But what's funny is he's like, you know, I wouldn't have sex with them because they're stinky. <laughs> it's like your whole damn disgusting. House Sorry, my
0: head's, head's laying everywhere. We'll put on my nipple belt if you don't mind. My trousers. Oh, that's
1: better. <laughs> anyway, I'd never fuck a corpse. <laughs> <laughs> He's a farmer, though. You'd think he would have had nipple suspenders. I mean, oh, what's, what's up with the belt? Uh, I don't know. Maybe he just had nipples for days. And he was i got to do, do something legs. with these. Maybe he was working on a whole collection of nipple-themed clothing. That's my next album, nipples for days. Nipples for days. <laughs> nipple necklaces and everything.
0: Nipple necklaces.
1: <laughs> nipple headbands. Oh,
0: man.
1: Yeah. I oh, feel God. like I need to make one out of latex. I need to make or a nipple belt. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm not doing that. I draw the line. Boys, and real he, he
0: keeps winking at me, people, when he says, I'm not doing that. <laughs> yeah, All right, that, so. That, that is like the whole thing is obviously strange, but the nipple belt was definitely over the top. Yeah. Ugh. I, I know, there was a lot going on. Dancing bad. in the moonlight in the in the flesh suit was definitely weird. Yeah. I don't it's so oddly I, mean, I don't specific. know how
1: true all that stuff is. I mean, some of it obviously is going to spill over into urban legend, but some of it's supposed to be from his his uh his memoirs. Yeah, his memoir memoirs of yeah, like the I mean, it's basically the interrogations, but obviously they were beating him over the head with, you know, smashing his head into a brick wall. He probably would say anything. So, who knows who knows how much of this crap's real. Anyway, so Gene's house later on, after he was uh, put in prison or put in uh, the psychiatric ward, uh, 195 acres total property was appraised at just over four thousand seven hundred dollars. That's that's minuscule back then, but uh, that's only forty two thousand in twenty twenty. So mm-hmm. that's not a lot of money really for 195 but did acres. they
0: appraised the furniture? That's important.
1: Well, I would think a nipple belt would go for a lot of money on uh, eBay or yeah, they're, Etsy. They're one of a kind. <laughs> so his possessions were scheduled to be auctioned on March 30th, 1958, amidst rumors that the house and the land it stood on might become a tourist attraction. Early on the morning of March 20th, the house was then destroyed by fire. Mm. Deputy Fire Marshal reported that a garbage fire had been set 75 feet from the house by cleaning crew quote-unquote, who were given the task of disposing of refuse. That hot, hot coals were covered from the spot on the bonfire, but that the fire did not spread along the ground from the location of the house. Therefore, arson was expected, but the cause of the fire was never officially determined because nobody really gave a shit, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wouldn't have, at that point. Uh, yeah. It was possible that the fire was not considered a ma- matter of urgency uh, because... Fire chief now, Frank Warden, son of Bernice Warden, Gein's last victim. (laughs) When Gein learned of the incident while in detention, he shrugged and said, ah, just as well. (laughs) (laughs) the story. So her her son, now the fire chief, or a son, the fire chief, not the sheriff, deputy, uh, apparently was like, you know, fuck this place, I'm just going to set it on fire, <laughs> doesn't say he did it, but somehow it got done. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, his 1949 Ford sedan, which he used to haul the bodies of his victims, was sold at public auction for $760. And it's only $6,800 in 2020 money to Carnival Sideshow operator Bunny Gibbons. Gibbons charged Carnival goers $0.25 cents a mission to to see the car at oh, carnivals.
0: That's a name right there.
1: So that's, that's pretty interesting. Uh, he later died due to respiratory failure and lung cancer on July 26 at the ripe old age of 77 in 1984. Hmm. So he lived another 30 to 40 years. Right? Uh, over the years, souvenir seekers chipped pieces from his gravestone at the Plainfield Cemetery until the stone itself was stolen in the year 2000. It was recovered in 2001 near Seattle, Washington. So somebody took it from Wisconsin out to Washington. These people are sick people, right? Yeah, they are. So it was placed in storage at the sheriff's department. The gravesite itself is now unmarked, but not unknown. Keaton is interred between his parents and brother in the cemetery. Uh, So long story longer, I guess. (laughs) Gene basically was abused mentally by his mother and he had some problems early on anyway and everybody just kind of picked on him including his mother his brother friends quote unquote people at school the only time he ever really got out was later in life once they all passed away mm-hmm. and then you know who knows who knows what happened i don't know about the warden thing i mean he says it was an accident but it's like he you know, you don't tan somebody that's an accident. You don't hang them up in the rafters and gut them Whoops. like a deer. <laughs> you really know. I what accidentally CJ's? shot her. Might as well. It's the meat's gonna spoil if I don't use it. You know. I mean, what what was he doing with it? Like, why was he doing this? Because an The head, the head in a bag, and the shoebox. Let's not that's forget not the shoebox. Those aren't shoes. So I don't know. I mean, this dude was messed up. This is just a, this is our, one of our first like serial killer stories we've told on this show. Right. And I would say from my knowledge of serial killers or anybody that goes into this realm, uh, there's going to be a common theme of of abuse and definitely a common theme of usually a weird mother relationship Mm -hmm. in a lot of them. So, let's just get ready for those, because once we start talking about them, I mean, that's going to be a, a running theme, I would say. Yeah. So, what do you guys think about the old story of the Plainfield Butcher, is what they called him. are the Butcher of Plainfield. It was his original moniker in the papers.
0: Um. I don't want to, like... I'm sure at that time, that was a huge deal. Not to kind of downplay that, but... Seems like, what, he only killed, like, two or three people, which is obviously still a lot, but most of the stuff came from digging up grapes. How long do you think it would take? That's what he did after the kills, Yeah, that's still, but, like, to be labeled a butcher, though, like, all that skin is already, like, decaying and body parts falling apart anyway when he digs them up, right?
1: Yeah. But he's... He's desecrated graves I mean, he is, well, yeah. and people. <laughs> <He> <laughs> they is. were humans at he's one like, time. Bad, no, no, I'm not <laughs> saying it's not
0: that bad. I'm just saying like it's fucked up. And, like, he's not like he's doing Ted what Bundy, I Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah, I don't think I'd put
1: him on that big same numbers. level.
0: Because like, he's not he's not putting up the body count like half the people he's chopping up are already dead. Like, obviously, it's not okay regardless, but he's not killing those well, people. I
1: think what makes it memorable is he was one he, nibble belt, he's yeah, nibble belt yeah but he was obviously one of the first quote-unquote serial killers that america kind of
0: like got them. enamored
1: with yeah. in the papers you know i'm not saying that they condoned it but it was salacious so right. it was it was everywhere the trial was everywhere you know so it's like in the heart of the midwest he's a lutheran he his family owned a farm you know it's like Nobody could believe it. So that's, I think that was the shocking part of it. I think different than the 60s, 70s, and 80s where serial killing was like kind of a, I wouldn't say commonplace, but you had multiple serial killers after the 50s. Right. Right. You didn't hear about ones in the 30s and 40s as much. So it's it's crazy. Like, I mean, you had the Robin Hood, John Dillingers, and people like that, you know. Yeah. Bugsy seagulls, you know, mobsters. But this was different. This was different to, in oh, yeah. people's eyes. Oh, but yeah. I agree with you. Two people, that's not a freaking crazy yeah. butcher. That's, yeah. He Obviously, killed two it's people. terrible and it's not okay, but it's just like... It makes it weird, though, that all the stuff he did... Yeah. It,
0: it was definitely. probably, like, maybe like one of the first times people would remember ever hearing about somebody treating another corpse like that
1: yeah yeah desecrated graves and i mean if you read about it it would be in those pulp magazines he was talking about see that's where it comes in that's just kind of weird because that kind of stuff would happen in those magazines to where they had shrunken heads because obviously he was talking to the 16 year old about it and you know they skinned people and and tanned their hides and stuff and you know like the amazon somewhere off you know, far off. I mean, yeah. He'd see he'd see these kind of exotic locales in, in movies. He was going to films it said you know. So he he actually was like seeing this stuff, but it he still had that deranged childlike mind. In my opinion, like there right. was some something obviously off about like him. No, he his brain never matured mentally to where it should have been. Yeah, and I think that stunted growth was like he was born you know like that but also his mom made him a monster yeah I think think, uh with that mentality he probably didn't have far to go so
0: he probably didn't take too much pushing so all the (laughs) shit that he grew up with definitely like a stronger minded person probably could have had the chance to fight that but like I said he never set a chance no not at all droopy eye and all
1: so that was the story of Ed Gein, and we're going to stop there. We want you to join us next week for the movies that inspired, uh, were inspired by Ed Gein's story, and that will be uh, the classic movie Psycho by Alfred Hitchcock and Texas Chainsaw Massacre by Toby Hooper. And we're out. In the dead of nights,
0: when the moon is high. Shadows dance, the evil will rise.